Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Today I want to talk about prayer, especially uh, praying in these times in which we're living in right now in our nation. Uh, As you know, we could be facing a real crisis in our nation in the next few weeks. We really don't know. Uh, I know not everybody agrees on political things, and so I'm just going to try to be fair about everything and just uh, uh, stick, uh, you know, to to the facts as we know it. Uh, But nearly half of the country now has no confidence in the election process so far. And that's a terrible situation for a nation to be in. And it's interesting that the same people who refused to accept Donald Trump's, Trump's election and his presidency for four years are now lecturing everybody and demanding everybody we accept this election and it isn't even complete yet. And uh, so that's, that's that. Uh, I would say this, that it has been a tradition for many decades and, and, and longer than you know, maybe hundreds of years, I don't know. It's been a tradition that the news media on election night, uh, hearing the votes go, you know, coming in to the different states and particularly by counties and knowing how those counties are populated, that uh, uh, it's been the news media's role. It's not, it's not official they don't have any authority to call the election, but it's been their, their tradition to call the elections on, on uh, uh, election night. Uh, but like I said, they're not authorized to do that. Their calling doesn't really mean anything. And uh, in the past, they've called elections based on the votes that were tallied as of election night. When we reached a certain percentage of, uh, of population within a state, percentage of the votes and particularly looking at counties that were more populated than others. It's been the tradition for the media to call the election in those different states, call those states and winners and losers. Uh, This year, something different happened in that though we had sufficient vote uh, tallies in these uh, battleground states to call a winner, they refused to call it. Now, the argument was, well, we know that there are outstanding votes that will be coming in after tonight, which is something that has, uh, that's a criteria that's never existed before. And to withhold the calling of an, of an election based on votes that are gonna be coming in after the election that, everyone knows will be disputed. To wait until those votes come in two, three, four days later to then call an election is highly irregular. Now, you can, you can agree or disagree with whether it ought to be, but it is highly irregular. And many people believe that uh, significant uh, 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 irregularities probably illegal things happened. I'm saying many people believe that, not just a handful of people. 
And when you have a nation like ours, it's important that the country has confidence in the election, win or lose, that people be able to accept an election. But when you have the things that have happened this year that causes uh, not just tens of millions, scores of millions of people to be uh, suspicious and to not be trusting it is, is a terrible situation. It's a terrible situation. Uh, the election is not going to be final until the electors cast their votes in December and then they're counted and then they're certified by Congress in January. Until then, there is no president-elect. Now, in the past, because we haven't had this confusion, it's been traditional to, it's been tradition, the tradition has been to refer to the one for whom the, the election was called to refer to them as president-elect even before that certification takes place. But this year, it's, uh, everything is in dispute. And it's interesting that uh, Vice, President, Vice President Biden's campaign manager said, and, and this is, this, I researched this, this is true. He said on Monday, the day before the election, quote, under no scenario will Trump be declared winner on election night, end quote. Well, how in the world could he have known that? Uh, uh, that suggests something. And uh, like I said, many people, millions and millions of people believe this vote has been irredeemably compromised because what they believe to be illegal actions by state officials. And... Uh, this election has been legitimately and legally disputed and will be settled in the courts. Mayhem could be the result. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to pray. And thank God it's not too late to pray. <laughs> it is not too late. Amen. So I want you to go with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 16. It's interesting, I found these notes uh, yesterday and they're dated, I mean, I dated again, again for today, November the 8th, 2020, but the date on it is November the 8th, 2018. I preached this exactly two years ago in Merced, California when I was ministering to a congregation out there and, of course, many of these things that, that uh, are in these notes, uh, I want to go, because this is kind of a, uh, just a you know, particular outline that I put together for this church. It's a little smaller than, than what we've done before here. But all of these things I've covered before in this church. But I want us to look at them again. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, I say to you, this is verse 18 and 19, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want to repeat that. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. And we're just going to look at 
verse 18, praying always, Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The advancement of the kingdom of darkness in this world and in our nation is largely uh, because the church has failed to be the salt and the light we were called to be. If you go over to Matthew chapter five, hold your place in Ephesians because we're gonna come back there. But in Matthew chapter five, Jesus made this statement part of the Sermon on the Mount. In verse number 13, he said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Notice he said, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. But he said, if, the, if salt loses its saltiness, loses its flavor, then how can, you, how can it salt anything? How can it continue to be salt? He said salt that loses its saltiness is gonna be thrown out, trampled underfoot by men. Well, there's an, there's an implication there to the church and, and, a, and an application to the church. And he went on to say, you are the light of the, of the world, but a light that's, that's hidden under a basket doesn't do any good. A light has to be out in the open where it can shine and give light to people around it. And I believe that the church in, in, to a significant degree has lost its saltiness, its effectiveness in our nation. And no one can be blamed for that other than us. Amen. That requires repentance on our part. Amen. And uh, so that's part of it. That's a large part of it. Also, it's a sign of the times in which we live that men will grow worse and worse. Now, that's, that's Jesus also said. In the 24th chapter of Matthew, you don't have to turn there, but in the uh, 24th chapter of Matthew, when Jesus was talking about the end times, he said, lawlessness will abound. And that reference is primarily to a time after, excuse me, the rapture of the church, but we see it beginning before then. Because over in 2 Thessalonians, and turn over there with me, 2 Thessalonians, and look at the second chapter. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 says, for the mystery of lawlessness. Remember Jesus said, because, the, of the, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will wax cold. 
Here, the apostle Paul, speaking of the same lawlessness, he said the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Well, if it was at work then, it's certainly at work now, even more so. He said the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Well, uh, that's something that's gonna happen at the rapture of the church. He who restrains, I believe, is a double reference to the Holy Spirit and to the church who will be taken out, removed at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's read this verse again and then we'll continue just a, a little bit further. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's telling us that after the removal of the church and the Holy Spirit in one sense because the Holy Spirit is God, he will always be everywhere in the sense that God is omnipresent but in the sense that he indwells the church, the Holy Spirit's manifest presence in the earth is in the body of Christ. He indwells the body of Christ. We are, as individuals, we're the temple of God. A local church is the temple of God. The universal church is the temple of God. So he indwells the church, and when the church is taken away, the Holy Spirit in that capacity will be removed. And when, he, and when that happens, he says that the lawless one will be revealed. Now that tells us that when you see lawlessness, you know where it comes from. Lawlessness is not uh, the action of God. Lawlessness isn't a virtue of believers. Lawlessness isn't uh, something that God inspires or endorses lawlessness comes from the lawless one. And he goes on to say who that is. The coming of the lawless one, verse eight, the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So that's talking about the false prophet, the antichrist, the beast uh, that, that will arise during the tribulation period. That's where lawlessness comes from. John said this about the Antichrist. He said, uh, he said, the Antichrist spirit is in the earth today. And we're seeing this in manifestation. Now the church's role by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by politics. The church's role, not through politics, but by the power of the Holy Spirit is the restrainer of lawlessness. We're not the restrainer of lawlessness simply by voting, simply by having political views and and spreading and sharing our political views and persuading people politically. That's not how we suppress the spirit of lawlessness. We do it by virtue of him who dwells in us in the church. It's the Holy Spirit as we are fully submitted to him, 
as we are empowered by him, as we are energized by him, as we are filled by him, that he is able through us, the church, to withstand and hold back and hinder and restrain lawlessness. It is our job. It is our job. We uh, are a little late to the game. I'll be honest with you, I'll just admit my fault. I didn't expect, now don't misunderstand me, I I believe in the election process. And politically, politically, I was and am prepared to accept the outcome of any legitimate election. That is a fundamental principle and value of our democracy and of our republic. And so I, I all along was fully prepared. I was not prepared for what happened. We knew that it was rumored and was talked about, but never in my life would I have expected what actually happened to happen. And it's, it's caught me by surprise and probably a lot of us. But like I said, it is not too late. We may be coming late to the game, but, but the officials, <laughs> amen. The main referee is our Lord in this game, Amen. So though we may be coming late to the game, not politically, but spiritually, we can make that up. But we're gonna have to be serious about it. I said, we're gonna have to be really serious about it. Amen. Going back now to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians six. Verse number 18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Many translations read something like this. The amplified version, for instance, says, praying always with all manner of prayer. The Good Speed translation says, use every kind of prayer and entreaty and at every opportunity, pray in the spirit. I'm gonna read that again. Use every kind of prayer and entreaty and at every opportunity, pray in the spirit. So there are different kinds of prayer. And I've taught on this many times. We all know this. But do we practice all kinds of prayer like we should? There are two important kinds of prayers right now in, what we, in, the, in the situation that our nation finds itself in and the church finds itself in. He mentions one of them here, supplication. Praying with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the spirit. Supplication in the spirit. Supplication and intercession have been largely ignored because of ignorance and because of inexperience. 
When people aren't experienced in certain things, they tend to leave them alone. But you can't, you can't become experienced until you make a determination to obey the Bible. And when you start obeying in the Bible, then you will start gaining experience in things. Amen. So what is supplication? Go with me to James chapter five. We have a good description of supplication in this verse, James chapter five. Verse 16 says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The margin of my Bible here where it says fervent prayer, it says supplication. The effective supplication of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified here, I have actually the 26th translation uh, Bible here in front of me. The Amplified Bible says that if I just from this, it only has the last part of this, so from memory, I'm, I'm just quoting this, says that the continued heartfelt prayer of a righteous man avails much. And the last part of that says, makes tremendous power available. The heartfelt, fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Supplication is not casual praying. Like, it's not, now, don't, don't be misled by the word casual. I don't mean casual in a negative sense or in a sense that it's not serious or that it's not effective. What I mean by casual praying is ordinary praying. When you're praying about your day, you're praying about something at work, you're praying over your children, you're, you're praying over your body, or you're praying over your finances when you bring your tithes and offerings. My wife, every Sunday morning, we bring our tithes and offering and we join hands and we pray over our tithes and offerings for that week. But that's not intense praying. It's ordinary praying. And even though it's serious, there is a certain degree of casualness to it because it's common. Supplication isn't common praying. It's not ordinary praying. It is, let me read some other translations here. Before I do that, let me look at something. It is earnest heartfelt, fervent prayer, and it has an element of urgency about it. You know, there are times in life when things happen that there's an element of urgency in your praying. The illustration that I've used here several times is, you know, when your children are little and you get them up in the morning, you're getting them ready to go to school and you've got their lunch and their you know, make sure they've got all of their things and they're dressed. You know, you pray for your children before they leave home in the morning. You pray, Lord, that, that the Lord will have his hand on them and protect them. You send them on their way. They'll have a good day and so forth. That's, that's legitimate praying. But when that child turns 16 or 17 and gets the keys to the car for the first time, 
and leaves home that first time on his own or his, her own, particularly if it's your car. There will be a different degree of earnestness. Isn't that right? But even still, there's not a sense of urgency about it. It's more earnest because more is at stake, but, but it, there's no urgency about it. If when that son or daughter is 22 years old, and they're deployed in a war zone and you know that they're going to be in battle, there's, there's a different degree of praying. There is a seriousness and an urgency about it that, that you've never had before where they're concerned. Do you, do you suppose June 6th and the weeks leading up to that, 1940, was that 44? Huh? Yeah. Do you suppose that moms and dads were doing a little extra praying knowing that their sons were going to be deployed on Omaha Beach in Normandy? Yeah, there, there was some serious praying going on. That's what I'm talking about. There's different, there are different levels of praying and supplication is that kind of prayer. In... Uh, There's, there's an ordinary, a common word for prayer. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. But supplication is a different pray, uh, word. And it means to desire or to long for. And it stresses the sense of, of, an, of an urgent need. That's what, that's what supplication is. Now, supplication is not anxious praying. And it's not fearful praying because fearful praying is, uh, is not in faith. Anxiety is not of faith. And so a person can be absolutely in faith with no fear and no anxiety and still sense the urgency and the desperation of the need and of the hour and of the consequences and you feel that and you know that. And so you step up. You're praying because of that. That's what supplication is. Over in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. In verse number 37, the very end of that chapter. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, the word that's translated pray there is the verb form of this word supplication. This verb in other places in the King James translation has been translated uh, beg and beseech. In the New King James translations, in, uh, New, tra- tra- New King James translation, it's translated implore, urge, and beg. And it's applied to, to prayer here. 
It's a type of praying. Therefore, urge, implore with urgency the Lord of the harvest. We're in that hour right now where praying has to be involve fervency and urgency. Ordinary praying is not going to get the job done. And like I said, I've been a little behind in this. I should have taught on this leading up to this. Uh, you know, as a pastor, you have a whole list. I mean, I'm, I'm weeks and, you know, several series in advance planning, you know, down the road what I'm going to be ministering. And, and uh, it's easy to get caught up in that. And uh, I just failed to, to prepare us for this. And I should have gone over, even though I've taught these things before, I should have gone over these things again. But like I said, it's never too late. Amen. Then another type of prayer is the prayer of intercession. Intercession. Now, what is intercessory prayer? Briefly defined, intercession is standing in the gap in prayer between a person or persons who have provoked judgment upon themselves through their wrongdoing and the actual execution of that judgment. Or to put it more simply, intercessory prayer is prayer to hold back judgment. Intercessory prayer, supplication is a heartfelt, earnest, fervent prayer, an urgent prayer. And it's similar to intercession, but intercession has is also urgent, but it has this particular and unique uh, 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 definition and application. It's, it's especially prayer to hold back judgment. See, sin provokes judgment. Sin provokes the wrath of God. Amen. Sin calls for judgment. Now, where the Christian is concerned, where the believer is concerned, God is not going to deliver his wrath upon his own children. We've not been called to to experience wrath, but the grace of God. But even a Christian, if he continues in sin, knowingly hardens himself to it, and persist in sin long enough, sin has its own, God has already pronounced judgment upon sin. And so judgment can, can fall even on a Christian after, after long, a long time of persisting in sin. God doesn't do it, but he has to allow the enemy to bring trouble into that, into that Christian's life. It, this is an extreme measure, but it can happen. And that's why it's important for all of us to determine to live holy lives and to live obedient lives and to be faithful to God and to be growing in grace and growing in the knowledge of the Lord. But where the unsaved are concerned, they don't have a covenant with God and they're not living under grace. I said, they're not living under grace. And sin provokes the wrath of God. But even then, God doesn't delight in seeing people experience judgment. The Bible says God delights in mercy. Aren't you glad? 
Aren't you glad he delights in mercy? Amen. Second Peter chapter three, God is long suffering, not willing that any should perish. However, if the ones who have sinned and provoked judgment upon themselves do not turn and repent, the only hope for judgment to be averted is for someone to stand in the gap for them and make intercession. Amen. Now, these two types of praying, supplication and intercession, is something that the church, by and large, is very weak on. Not many people know much about supplication and not true supplication and true intercession. They are concepts to most Christians, but they're not, most Christians are not experienced in them because supplication and intercession have to be done in the power of the Spirit. Supplication and intercession have to be done in the power of the Spirit. Remember Ephesians 6 where we read? Supplication in the Spirit. Supplication in the Spirit. We cannot, we will not be effective in supplication and intercession in our own strength or nor in our own inspiration. We have to be inspired and energized and empowered by the Spirit for supplication and intercession to have its ultimate effect. For it to really be effective, I'm gonna say it again, I'm just trying to say it differently it's just, just to, so it clicks. In order for, it, for supplication and intercession to be effective, it has to be done in the power of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to take hold together with us in this. It cannot be, it cannot be ordinary or natural urgency. Ordinary or natural fervency There has to be a fervency and an urgency that comes from heaven. Now, we are aware of things here on this earth and and these things stir us up and it requires us to to be fervent and it requires us to, to have an urgency and our praying, but we have to have the Holy Spirit to help us. And, And that's the one thing that allows our, our, the urgency of the hour to not move us into fear is we need the Holy Spirit to take hold of us and to empower us in our praying so that we sense his presence and, we're, and, and we pray in the power of the Spirit. This kind of praying is not something you quickly move into. It's not something that you just will casually enter into. Amen. Go with me, I've already referred to this, but go to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. Verse number 26 says, likewise the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession 
for the saints according to the will of God. Here it's twice it says the Holy Spirit makes intercession for the saints. He makes intercession for us. Because we are limited in our ability in prayer. We can only go so far in our natural ability because we don't know enough. We don't have, as a, as a, uh, a mortal person, we, we, you and I don't have the perspective that heaven has on everything. We don't know what he knows. We know some of what he knows. Thank God we know uh, enough to give us victory in life. He's revealed a lot to us. But when it comes to prayer, the apostle Paul said, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. He didn't say we don't know what to pray for, period, because we do know what to pray for. But we don't know what to pray for as we ought. In other words, we don't know enough about what to pray for. And that's why we have to have the Holy Spirit to help us. And in, this, and in this verse, he says, the Holy Spirit helps this prayer and this infirmity. This isn't talking about sickness and disease. It's talking about a prayer infirmity, a weakness we have in prayer. The Holy Spirit helps us. This word helps is a, is a big, long uh, uh, word in the original Greek, and it has several different words joined together. And, and it, literally, it literally means to take hold together with against. Actually, it says take hold together against with, but it, it just is easier to say it the other way. Take hold together with against. The Holy Spirit must take hold together with us against this infirmity in prayer, this not knowing in prayer. And when the Holy Spirit takes hold together with us, in prayer, that's when our praying becomes the effective fervent prayer. The effective fervent prayer. Oh, glory to God. Some translations of James 5, 16 says, powerful is the heartfelt supplication of a righteous man. Another translation, that was the Weymouth translation, the Phillips translation says, tremendous power is made available through a good man's earnest prayer. 20th century translation says, great is the power of a good man's fervent prayer. The Knox translation says, when a just man prays fervently, there is great virtue in his prayer. Williams translation says, an upright man's prayer, when it keeps at work, is very powerful. So this tells us that fervency and in our praying is very effective. It makes tremendous power available, like the Amplified Bible says, but only as the Spirit helps us. Or you could say only to the degree that the Spirit helps us. Now, there is, this is what a lot of people don't really understand. I don't think any of us understand like we could. That, there, that God himself is a very fervent person. God is not casual. God doesn't have days where he just goofs off. 
goes fishing. Whatever. He's not casual. He's not mortal like we are. He is, God is, is the Bible says that he's awesome and fearful. The presence of God is not even a place you want to go into unprepared. Because the Bible says our God is a consuming fire. He's not playing video games. Our God is is an awesome God. And the things that he values, he values fervently. The things that he desires, he desires fervently. And he has desires about things that affect the church and about things that even affect a nation when the church is such a large presence in a nation. The United States of America isn't just any country. The United States of America was founded on biblical principles. You think God doesn't honor that? You think that's not important to him? It is. Any nation, doesn't have to be Israel. Do we know that Israel was God, that Israel was a, a nation that God birthed through Abraham? But any nation who makes the Lord their God, In any degree, if it's the God of the Bible, God is going to watch over that. He's going, and He has watched over us, and He has cared for us, and He has protected us, and He has intervened for us. But the church hasn't been a good steward of that for a long, long time now. We haven't, haven't been good stewards of what was available to us. And we need to catch up. We really need to catch up. Because God has desires for the United States of America. God has a plan. God has a work that he wants to do still through the United States of America. And his desires for the United States is, are, are fervent desires. They're holy desires. And the power of supplication and intercession for the nation, the power of it involves in the spirit connecting with the fervency of heaven. Letting, I don't know how best to say it, instead of connecting, letting the fervency of heaven grasp our hearts. Let the desire and fervency of heaven and and for his will and and, and what is important to him to, to seize our hearts in prayer so that we are lifted out of natural fervency and in our own mental fervency and desire up into the fervency and desire of God in prayer. And when that happens, miracles take place. That's when miracles, that's when that's when change really happens. And that's true in in all of our lives as well. We do without a lot of things that we know to be the will of God and we we pray about 
in our own personal lives. A lot of times we do without some of these things because of a lack of fervency. Because there are, you know, when, when it comes to your life, other people affect your life. I've told people before, and, and, you, and you know this to be true, I've told, said it many times, when you know something belongs to you, you have a scriptural covenant right to particular, you don't need anybody. God has promised you this particular thing. It doesn't matter if you're the only person on the planet that believes it. You have a covenant with God, you can stand resolute, and, and, and it doesn't matter what anybody does. But as you interact in life with other people, other people have, have influence. And they have, uh, some things have to work through and with other people. And sometimes those other people don't know God. And sometimes they can hinder things. If you're believing God for money, it's not gonna come directly from heaven. It's not gonna just pour silver and gold out of heaven on you. It's gonna have to come through some natural means. Well, there's, there's a lot of people in that chain. And so a lot of times there's a standing, but there's also a time of supplication where you get into the spirit and deal with some of those things that are hindering. That's what Daniel did when he was in, in prayer and supplication and fasting for two weeks. And then went into three weeks, 21 days in supplication and prayer. And then we find out Behind the scene, what was going on? There were, uh, there were spiritual forces, demonic forces, trying to intervene and hinder and hold back the answer. And it required supernatural help. And it was beyond Daniel to help. It's beyond his ability. He couldn't do anything but pray and make supplication in sackcloth and ashes. In other words, he humbled himself and sought God with a fervent heart pouring his heart out in, in prayer, in fasting, in waiting on God. It gave, it gave him an opportunity for, for he and God's purpose to align. And when that happened, God sent a mighty archangel to come in and correct everything and deal with that spiritual darkness and break the power of that and bring deliverance. Well, there are great spiritual forces in our nation right now. But they're not greater than our God. And they're not greater than our faith. And they're not greater than the word. And they're not greater than prayer. And they're not greater than supplication and intercession. Amen. So... uh, Glory to God. I'll I'll leave it there. Praise God. Hallelujah. Faith Island will have to work out something this morning. Closing a little early, but that's all right. Praise God. I'm calling on you to pray. In the spirit and get beyond the natural realm. Get beyond just mental praying where you're praying and you, and you forget what you're doing, thinking about other things. Talking about getting over in the spirit. It's gonna take all of us doing this. It's gonna take the church doing this.
Now, there are some people in the church that will never do this because it's just, you know, they're not, they're not even filled with the Spirit. They don't even know anything about spiritual things. But we know. We know. We have an obligation. We have a responsibility. Amen. It's a wonderful responsibility. It's a great responsibility. Glory to God. So I encourage you. We're going we're gonna to do some praying tonight as a church when we come together. I'm going to teach a little bit more, but we're going we're gonna to do some praying tonight too. Amen. I encourage you to go home and, 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 and don't just spend the day doing, uh, doing unnecessary things. Set aside some time today to pray about our nation and about the, the things that, that are confronting us right now with this election. Like I said, there, there is opportunity for great unrest and, and really mayhem in our nation if we don't pray. Because we are, we are really facing a, a constitutional crisis now. And it didn't have to be this way. It's this way because people got out of, out of line started doing things that have never been done before and, and we'll find out whether they're legal or not. It didn't have to come to this, but it has. And we need to pray. Amen. Glory to God. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you today. We thank you. Oh, glory to God. We honor you today and we submit ourselves to you, Father. We humble ourselves before you, Father. And we confess our failure. We haven't been as ready as we should have been. We've not prayed like we could have. Many of us have prayed and prayed more than usual beyond what we normally pray. But, we, but we've not prayed enough because the hour is, is demonstrating that. We could have been more f- faithful. I could have been more faithful. Hallelujah. So I confess my wrong, my failure. But I know, Father, that you are the God of mercy, the God of glory, the God of resurrection who, bring, who brings life and victory out of death and defeat, who raises from the dead. Glory to God. When there is no hope and there is no way, I know, Father, that you make a way. And so we come to you today, Father, and we humble ourselves and we seek you, Lord. We seek you, Father, that your will would be done. That your will would be done. Glory to God. We pray about the political scene of our nation. We pray about the social fabric of our nation, the economic condition of our nation. In Jesus' name. Father, we ask you for help. A great and mighty opposition has come. And in the natural, we don't know what to do. But our eyes, our eyes are on you. 
Our eyes are on you, Father. Our eyes are on you you in this hour of need. And we pray, Father, for your hand, for your mercy and for your help. Help us, Lord, to pray in the Spirit. Help us to pray by the power of the Spirit. Take hold together with us in our praying in this hour, Father. Father, that your true and holy desire, that your true and holy purpose and plan and desire would be paramount on our hearts, Father. That our will and our desires, Father, would be swallowed up in your desires, in your will. That we not pray selfishly, but we pray according to your spirit. Give us utterance. Give us utterance in the spirit. Help us to pray in the spirit and to pray in groanings that even cannot be uttered in ordinary speech, Father. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.